Today we're speaking with Paul Larson, the head greenskeeper for Royal St. George Golf Club. Today we're going to be talking about prepping the golf course for the British Open the week of. Enjoy. I should have put my Converse on. Yeah. <laughs> well, my buddy was telling me, he's like, you got to make sure to ask him about his Converse. I mean, that's the debate. Can I get to wear them at prize giving? <laughs> and, uh, and, I, and I asked someone, I said, I'm going to do a deal with the RNA that I've got to wear them because I've done something they wanted me to do that I didn't want to do. And they went, I don't think old Martin Slummers will agree to that. I <laughs> went, well, we're going to go for it anyway. And uh, I'll have a few of my mates in the crowd. And I'm going to tell them to start chanting, converse, converse. <laughs> How did that start? Do you know what? It's weird because everyone thinks I'm a big Cure fan sort of thing, but I've always worn cons from 16 years of age, but not cons I'd wear high-tech or Reebok. And then when I got a bit more money, then I could afford to get the big cons and be a bit more exclusive. So I've always had big trainers. I, I, I don't like shoes unless they're big boots. I'm too old for big boots now, so it's just cons. <laughs> and I wrote to Converse saying, and it's funny, maybe you could guys can do it. We need to create a cons golf shoe. Ricky Fowler tried it, but he didn't get it right. It, he, he had them wraparounds, didn't he? And they, but they, they were wrapped around with skinny trousers. But he needed the tongs on front of the, uh, on front of the shoe itself. That's what I want. It's all part of the look, hundred percent. <laughs> Well, uh, well, I mean, to kind of get started with this interview, you're, you're Paul yep. Larson, you're the head greenskeeper. And is that the right term? Because we've gotten mixed signals. You know, it's superintendent some places, head of golf agronomy. Yeah, uh, I've been called everything. Uh, I tend to like head greenkeeper because it's old-fashioned, isn't it? Yeah. No, people like call themselves course managers and course superintendent. I just like head greenkeeper. Yeah. that's what... head that's what we say. So can you kind of tell us your story and, you know, how you ended up getting to this? The seems like the pinnacle of your career prepping a golf course for the British Open. Um, can you kind of give us your, your background and how you got to where you're at now? Um, crikey, I have to write a book on my background because it's such a long story. I only got into greenkeeping uh, in my early 30s. Um, so I've done many jobs before that. And uh I was a groundsman when I left school at 18 uh, for a couple of years, and the pay was terrible, so I gave it up working in London and become a postman for five years, and uh, all in the 80s, which was quite weird being up in London then. Then I went travelling, went around Europe, come back, a few other jobs, then went travelling around the world again, doing every job you can think of, building a roller coaster, picking grapes, selling stuff, bit of landscaping uh, and then I come back found myself working for uh, solicitors in London sort of wasn't going the way I wanted it sort of dead end job in a way I wasn't a solicitor but I was working for him and then uh, where I play golf I've always played golf and uh, my golf club were looking for a greenkeeper and in my mid 30s I just said uh, do you know what I'm going to move back to Folkestone from London and became a greenkeeper in 20,000 so 21 years ago Wow. So it was a massive journey to get there. Uh, and then it's been a bit of a journey to get here as well, like you say. So that's another chapter, really. Wow. 
And I, and I can't imagine many greenskeepers can say that they've prepped a golf course for a major championship. And I can't imagine what you guys have gone through. But even before I ask you about that, do you guys call it the Open Championship or the British Open? Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> we do call it, I just call it the Open and that's it. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I mean, can you can you kind of give us a little bit of uh, a history lesson for the past two years, what you guys have gone through? Because correct me if I'm wrong, the, 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 the tournament was supposed to be in 2020, and I'm assuming you guys were getting, um, prepping the course months in advance, and then, you know, the cancellation comes down because of COVID, and then you got to restart everything. What have the last two years been like for you guys? Yeah, uh, yeah, good question. It, I mean, really, we you think we prepped two years before, but we've been prepping like five or six years before, with or seven years because I converged all the grasses. Uh, we had some Yorkshire fog rye and all that, and I went down this fescue road of trying to get us some more fescue dominated golf course. So we needed plenty of years in advance to be able to do all that. Then we went into a bunker program, which is generally four or five years in advance. So you're trying to peak for 2020. And we were almost sort of peaking for 2020. But we had a bad drought in 2018. And we lost a lot of our grasses uh, on the fairways. So I lost 50, 60% coverage of grass. So if you had seen the news in 2018, late ends, you were like, wow, are they going to hold an open there in less than two years' time? So it's been like, it's been a pandemic of grass and drought and all the rest of it. And then you throw COVID in, that the last two years has just been like the most hectic, hardworking time that we've ever done. That You could say we've prepped it for the last two years, and it's just been a massive rush. And then, obviously, when we got told it was going to be cancelled, uh, it kind of gave us another year to get it right. But there was a few things like the bunkers that had been peaked for 2020. So it's a bit of a catch-22. Some bits were, were brilliant. And some bits we had another year to work on to make them even better. So, yeah, what goes through your, your mind? And also, what people, they have asked me this question. And it's, when we went through that first pandemic, it, every, I wasn't even worried about the Open. It was all... You know, I had not many guys in. There was four guys with me. We're on furlough over here where no one was working on the course. We're just trying to keep it alive rather than sort of manicure. Uh, and then you're thinking, we don't know about the Open, all the rest of it. Are we going to be alive? You can see your parents. So there's all that sort of stress and worry of that. And I think uh, just getting through everything healthy and good, uh, was was a start was a great thing because none of my guys got ill we've been pretty good and working knowing that we had the open in 21 gave us another focus so it took your mind off the sort of bad things that are happening on the news and we were lucky really we're working on the golf course it's out in the open as we all know golf has sort of boomed during covid everyone wants to be outdoors and by the sea and everything so in a way we were quite lucky that we could carry on working and we've had a goal at the end of it, which is coming up, really. Gosh. I mean, I can't imagine going through that process. And um, what is the process like if, if, if the course has been selected to be um, the host of the major championship? What does the, the Open Championship Committee make 
you guys adhere to? Is there any things that, you know, the course has to be this, this, this? I know at the U.S. Open here in America, it's long, rough, fast greens, make it as tough as possible. What is what is the kind of mandate for, for you guys for the, for the British Open or, sorry, the, the Open Championship? Yeah, uh, so probably three or four years, four years out, we're looking at the course with all the RNA and we decide what we, how we want it to look, uh, where the tees are going to be, how wide the fairways will be, uh, all the sort of stuff that you have to get done in advance. And then leading up to it, uh, quite unusual because normally this time of year we're sort of burnt off and brown, but we've just had rain uh, in May and June nonstop. And I'm always like, everyone knows i'm always praying for rain because it's always like drought down here so um it's just rain non-stop so the rough is thick this year it, i prefer a little bit more wispy but at the same time the fairways are quite wide and we the rna did come up with a good policy the, the fairways aren't too tough in that they're not too narrow so they're quirky people say because we've got loads of slopes and bumps and humps and mounds but we want you to hit part of the fairway and if you do catch part of the fairway, you'll only go into the first cut or the second cut of rough if you've had an unlucky bounce that people might say. Um, in my case, I've played here for years, you don't really get an unlucky bounce. You normally have hit the shot that that deserved because you put it in the wrong spot. So I think if you go in the rough, that's how it should be. It's a major, it's meant to be a bit tough. All I want is for, I actually want it to be sunny for the four days, though, and a bit of wind blowing. And the wind and rough, that's enough. That should give it enough defense. Yeah. What What can you tell me about, because personally, just playing in the States, I don't think I've ever been really afraid of bunkers. But um, it seems like bunkers in Europe are could be the end of your career. And 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 I want to I want to ask you about the bunkers, but then I want to follow up with that, asking you. I don't think I've ever seen a flamethrower in person, let alone on a golf course. And I saw a video you guys posted of you blowtorching a bunker. I I, I didn't even think was that golf or what were you guys getting ready for? Yeah, <laughs> I've had a lot of uh, <laughs> uh, replies about that, and uh, I've nicked that from what the guys do up in Scotland. To be honest, so I think a lot of people do it. Um, I mean, the bunkers, yeah, they're pop bunkers. Uh, they're not all quite the same. We've got a few natural ones now. But you don't want to be in the bunkers. Uh, they're quite steep. It, it takes off. It's half a shot penalty straight away. Uh, we've got a few little tricks of the trade. There's going to be a couple of par fours they might be able to drive. So we're going to flat rake them. So if you go in, you might get up the face. So you've got to take that into account if you're going to go for it. The penalty of being in that bunker... It's going to be quite severe. Um, generally, they're, they're so good at bunkers now, aren't they, that you do need to make them a little bit deep. And uh, it has to be the penalty of putting it in the wrong place. Um, into the flamethrower, the amount of work that goes into a bunker is incredible. I, When we build the bunkers, as you know, we step them up. But I prep our own turf for that a year in advance. And before we lay it, we cut it with a fairway mower, get it short and tight. Uh, and then when you build them, uh, I don't like grass faces because it's so drought, uh, you know, it's so dry down here. They just burn off. You get one side of the bunkers a bit grassy and the next side's sand up the face and just dries off. So 
when it uh, when it grows up, uh, we just kill off the grass, and if there's any weeds on there, we we blow towards you. Um, we might, yeah, put some weed killer or something if if need be. First of all. <laughs> But yeah, you wait for the grass and uh, and off you go. And that video just, that was it. That's what we do. Yeah, it was a good look. I was, not only did I want to go in the bunkers in the first place, but, um, and, and you mentioned naturally formed um, bunkers. And I, I played uh, at St. Andrews a long time ago. And one of the caddies had told me that the bunkers there were formed by sheep hiding from the wind. Is that the same um, with uh, Royal well, St. That's the history of bunkers, isn't it? That, um, you know, when we just built the golf courses, they were the hazards and the sheep did shelter from the, from the weather and everything. And it got a bit sandy and they were always in the, in the hollows and everything. And they became known as the bunkers. Of course, uh, back then they were a, a sandy scrape or a little hollow, but it's become more of an art now with how we revert them. And a lot of people are going back to the natural bunkers where they're, yeah, you quite a few courses in in America now doing that, where they're just rough edged bunkers and they've just gone wild and let nature take them how they are. I would like to do that here, but the sand, the sand blow that you can get is quite hard, so it's not designed for everywhere. So you do need the faces to keep the sand in and, and leveled off. So it's it's a fine balance of getting which one's right. Yeah. And so you're, you're, I'm assuming you're, you're transitioning now from obviously everyday play to the major championship. What is, what is your biggest concern? Obviously the prep time and the practice rounds and then the, the real rounds uh, ensue. What keeps you up at night during that week when all the, the top players in the world are on site and um, you know, the course is on show? Yeah. Uh, God, it has to be a worry to keep me awake at night. Um, <laughs> and, I, and if I can't sleep, I'm in grumpy so-and-so the next day so i need my sleep but um <laughs> uh, good question what keeps me well the last open i was here before as a deputy i was changing holes and uh and white painting around the holes back then we had a different type of machine that was quite nerve-wracking not wanting to put the paint over the actual hole in case it gets on the grass that was the thing you couldn't relax doing that job but i've got a really good guy now uh, we've got different techniques, so I don't have to worry about that. I think the worst from all of us as a team, it's worrying about ball blowing and oscillation uh, on the greens if it gets too windy and it dries out. That's your sort of that's your nightmare that you know play gets suspended. Uh, you have to come back next day or whatever. So the balance is trying to get that speed just good enough say nine and a half up to 10, maybe 10 and a half. You, you just can't push it because it's always windy here. Yeah. And then last thing we want is that ball blowing around. And for me, I just want everyone to enjoy the course. Um, if people are happy with how it is, the condition of it, I feel like I've done my job. That's that's what I want, really. Yeah. And, and going back to the greens, is the main variable when it comes to uh, keeping the green speeds consistent, is it moisture? In, yeah. in a mixture of wind? Yeah, so it, it, it obviously it's high of cut and moisture, whether you roll or not. I we have I kind of have a strict guidelines. We normally have a moisture guideline 15 to 25%. So I might keep them down at 20 or just below. But I never like drying them out. 
our biggest battle here is fairy rings and people probably don't um fuss about it so much as what i might i just don't like fairy rings yeah uh, but if you dry them out too much you do get the fairy ring and if you dry them out you can then get your speeds uh so see it is a balancing act yeah uh, that's the hard bit uh, well, maybe I can get you to shift, you know, take uh, your greenskeeper hat off and put your golfer hat on. And yeah. the first question I'd ask you is, in your estimation, would it be harder to win the U.S. Open or the British Open? Or, sorry, the Open Championship? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, I think it's probably harder to win the Open. Um I mean, they're both tough. I mean, you'd want to win either one, but for us in Europe, we always want to win the Open and everything. Uh, to me, I think you have to be more rounded as a golfer. And like, you think of Tom Watson from the past. I mean, he can rock up at 50 or whatever and still play brilliant on a Lynx golf course. And some people just can't do that. And the US Open now, it's sort of got to power it round. And look at what DeChambeau did before and... You can hit it as far as you can. Try and get out of that rough. Uh, got to putt well. Uh, here, it's, you've got to have miles more different types of shot. I think you've got to be a better ball striker and play different types of shots here where you don't have to vary it so much at the US Open. Yeah. Generalization, that is, maybe. I, it's, I think you're spot on. It's, it's, I, I've played golf in Europe once and it was one round at st andrews and i i i was had a dinner meeting with a guy and he said oh you're a golfer you know what's your handicap i go oh, I'm, a, I'm a scratch golfer and i play in you know what people would say is pretty easy golf courses in america so i don't know if i'm a true scratch but you know i'm, I'm walking he invites me to go play st andrews with him and he is just so excited to play with the scratch golfer i step onto the first tee i think i am i am the hottest golfer there and i pull out my three iron on hole one and I just stripe it right down the middle, but I typically hit the ball pretty high. And I've already made buddies with the caddy, and I look back at the caddy, and he's like, do you hit the ball that high every time? And I was like, yeah, why? He's like, it's gonna be a long day. I went, <laughs> went on to shoot like 84, and the guy was just completely unimpressed with me, and I just said, I, I don't even know if I could even play golf over here, let alone compete. So I, I think I'd agree with you on that. I mean, that's a great point because uh, I hit it a little bit low and I play a bit of golf and everything. And when I've played in like county events in the past, if I rock up at a Lynx course, I half fancy that I can have not a bad day. And you get the guys good handicaps, but they're the inland players. They're like what you just said. They all hit it high, want to spin ball back. And they get on the hard, fiery Lynx courses. They're totally different. They don't know how to play it. And there'll be a lot of guys that come here they're used to the tour conditions, hitting it high as far as you can. And then they come in and they can't, they just can't adjust. And, it, and it's quite a hard adjustment just to make uh, for a couple of tournaments a year, isn't it? So that's where they might struggle. Yeah. And then, so, I mean, you're, you're on the grounds right now. Who, who's got the best shot of winning a, and then B, is it an American, I mean, is it an American or is it a European who's going to win? Then who's your best guess to win? Well, the other night someone else, I I still fancy DJ to to do quite well because he did. You know what? He was so close last time, wasn't he? Yep. I think Westwood. It'd be nice if he could do it. But then I'm thinking, who's and has got the game for here? 
and he's got to do it, hasn't he? Sometime he's just got to do it again. Um, but the guy I want to win is an American. Oh, uh, I want Spieth to win. Wow, and why is that? I I don't know. He, he's just so fascinating. What he reminds me a bit how I play golf sometimes. I can hold everything, and then you get the free footers and. You're watching behind the curtain, aren't you? Just to see where it goes in, and he can hit it anywhere. And the talking commentary and all the rest of it. It's just, he just looks like a really good guy, and it's exciting to watch him play. And I've just got this feeling it'd be great if he won it here. There's a, there's a great comeback, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm sure rooting for him too. And um, yeah, I don't know if I have any more questions about the Open Championship, but I, just back to you being a greenskeeper and been doing it for so long, is there one favorite part of the job? It's not, you know, kind of like myself, I, I did a lot of crummy jobs leading up to what I'm doing now, and I love what I'm doing now, and I, you know, and I appreciate it. You have that same kind of experience. What is it about being a greenskeeper that you love so much? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's obviously been out in the air and everything. I love golf, really. Um, so I got into greenkeeping because of golf. Uh, and like what I find fascinating about myself was before I was a greenkeeper, just a golfer, I only fought like a golfer. So you're moaning just like everyone else. So now as a greenkeeper, I know what they're thinking. So we get moaned at, that's what happens, and we put up with it. And you've got to love this job to really do it the early mornings, weekends, bank holidays. And uh, like I've just walked in off the course now and you look up, there's been no one out there, walked to the top of the maiden, and it's absolutely beautiful. It's peaceful. It's fantastic. Um, I just, yeah, I love it. Before, when I first got into green keeping, I still love it now and I don't do it so much. It's setting up of the course. I used to love changing holes, put the tees, try and play with people's heads a little bit because I know what would affect me. Um, I don't get to do so much of that. Uh, I think I used to change holes three times a week and I'm mentally deranged changing holes so often. Now. <laughs> so it became my favourite job to be going, oh, no, not holes again. So every time I do it now and again, I, I do quite enjoy it still. That's probably my favourite. <laughs> and that's interesting. How much leeway do you guys have with the course for the major championship? Yeah, um, yeah, good question. We we all we're a big team for the Open, so we will work with all the RNA guys, and they've got their their own agronomy team now. So we kind of know in advance where the pins are not going to be. So we we've, we've got areas we protect. For the last Open, I helped change the the, the pins and. Had quite a bit of input with um, with Grant, who, who changes holes, and we do know the course and everything. Uh, but they've got the history of what they've done before as well. So I'll miss, I'll probably miss that side of it this time because I won't be involved so much with doing that. Yeah. Um, but it is great fun and it's hard work, and there's a lot more to it than what you think. And you're trying to get the guys to hit the tee shot where you want them to have the best angle to go for the pin. So you're rewarding the better shots. Yep. Uh, it's not just a case of picking a pin and plonking it somewhere. There's a lot of thought that goes into it. Uh, and that's the bit, that's the great bit about it. I, I miss a little bit. But I hope my guy, they know where to put it. And they may say, do you know what, we've put it here a few times and that's a sneaky pin placing. 
Yeah. So we we know the course better than anyone. So we do have a little bit of input. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, make sure to make it a little extra hard this year. But uh, Paul, I don't think I have any more questions for you. We really appreciate the time and um, we'd love to stay in touch with you and we wish you nothing but the best with the, with the big job ahead of you guys. But um, again, we really appreciate you coming on. No, thank you for having me. It's been great.